Well, as we continue to study the Gospel of Mark, we come to this juicy part, I think, of his Gospel. By now, we see that Jesus has become very popular. He's so popular that folks can't even get inside the door of the house to hear him speak. This doesn't stop the friends of a paralyzed man, as I was telling the young people. They find a solution to their problem by digging the hole in the roof of the home so that he can be Lord and then Jesus could heal him. I think it's interesting that we're not told anything about the faith of the paralyzed man, are we? We only know that his friends have the gumption, the courage, and determination to help their paralyzed friend by digging that hole in the roof. Interestingly, according to biblical scholar N.T. Wright, the fact that Jesus' first comment to the paralyzed man is, your sins are forgiven, is better understood if we realize that it must have been Jesus' home where he was teaching. It is then that Jesus' words, your sins are forgiven, make even better sense. As in, okay, I know why your friends dug a hole in my roof, don't worry. Well, I want us to focus our attention on the actions of the paralyzed man's friends and that of Jesus as well. What did their actions have in common and what can we learn from them? Well, once many years ago, I had pneumonia. I was living by myself in Massachusetts. I was relatively new to the congregation I was pastoring at at that time. I told a close friend of mine who lived about an hour and a half away from me that I wasn't feeling very well and that my cold seemed to be getting worse. She was so worried about me that she decided to get in her car and drive the hour and a half drive. Uh, She lived up north in Massachusetts, way down south where I was living. And she helped me out because I distinctly remember I felt so weak that I couldn't even sit up to feed myself soup. So she did that for me. She also helped me to get to urgent care and they uh, deduced that I probably had pneumonia The doctor prescribed me the right medication, and eventually I did get much better, thank God. Well, not um, too much longer before that, my brother had gotten pneumonia in Chicago, and he had ended up in the hospital. So I think that scared my mom, and so she got on a plane from Los Angeles and went all the way to Boston to make sure that I got better. God bless my mom. Well, I truly believe that if it weren't for the actions of my friend Rona and my mom, who didn't allow distance to get in the way, the consequences could have been much worse for me. You see, when we love someone, we don't allow anything to get in the way of helping that person, do we? We pray for them, we visit them, we call them, we send them cards, we take them to the doctor or visit them in the hospital, We do whatever it takes to help that person out. These friends in our story didn't allow any barrier to to keep them from getting the help that they knew their friend needed. They helped, they knew, which would come from Jesus. In fact, their faith in Jesus and their love for their friend were enough for them to get things done. You see, when we are moved enough by both our love for someone else And by our faith in God, we too can get work done, and we do what is right. 
But before I get on to that, I want us to notice that besides the actions of the friends, what is also happening in this portion of the Gospel of Mark. We're told that there's another group there too. This group called the scribes were criticizing Jesus by asking themselves who Jesus thought he was by proclaiming that this man's sins were forgiven. Now as interpreters and protectors of the Jewish law, the scribes would have been well informed with one of the most important laws, which was found in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. As a commentator and biblical scholar Elizabeth Johnson states, she says, blasphemy or claiming what belongs to God alone violates the law's the law, the all important law of keeping boundary between God and creation, and is so serious as to be punishable by death. Indeed, in the end, the charge of blasphemy will lead to Jesus' crucifixion. Of course, Jesus would have been very familiar with this law too. However, he doesn't allow that law or the thoughts of the scribes, which we told he's able to perceive, to stop him. Instead, as if to prove his point even greater about who he is and the authority that he really has, Jesus goes on to heal the paralyzed man as well. In this miracle, we see the courage that Jesus had to do the right thing which was to give both spiritual and physical healing to the man, despite the real danger that would have been there for Jesus. Hence, we see a similarity in the actions of the friends of the man and Jesus. They do not allow any barriers to prohibit them and also the actions of Jesus. Now there's another person who's also, who also didn't allow anything to stop him from doing what was right, and his memory and his birthday we will be celebrating tomorrow. He too relied on his faith in God and his love of humankind to preach, teach, and do what was right. Of course, I'm speaking again of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now, you and I cannot be nearly as fabulous as Jesus or Martin Luther King Jr. However, we can allow our faith for God and our love for others to move us into action. I wonder, who needs you to step up and do what is right for and with them? What might be stopping you from doing what is right to help them? Well, this past week I received a series of pictures from the migrant shelter in Tijuana which our church sponsors. The picture showed images of their recent Christmas celebration. In some pictures people are eating. There's also pictures of the groceries that they bought to make the meal. There's pictures of Christmas tree and of their pastor. Now this shelter is housed inside a very modest Baptist church in Tijuana. They opened their doors about eight years ago when many Haitians were beginning to arrive to Tijuana and there weren't any shelters at that time to provide help for them. The pastor at the time noticed how they were being discriminated against, and so he asked his church if they could transform their church building into a shelter for these Haitian migrants. This church is comprised of only about 60 members, and yet they agreed. 
Since then, thousands of people from Haiti, Central and South America, Russia, Cuba, and the Ukraine have found hope, food, safety, and protection at this church slash shelter. I remember when I first met the pastor and his wife, and I'll never forget that they said that they knew that the migrants didn't just need spiritual support, but also needed physical help in the form of food, shelter, and clothing. They then described to me what they do when the migrants arrive to their doors in this order. They're shown where the washrooms and showers are at first. They're given fresh clothes to change into, are then fed a hot, nutritious meal, and are then shown the area where they can sleep and finally find rest after their long journeys. Once the migrants feel more comfortable there, they then begin to share their harrowing stories. They're invited but not forced to attend worship on Sundays and Bible study midweek. Over time, many have rededicated their lives to Christ and have then made their way to better life, either in Tijuana or somewhere in the States if they're blessed to receive asylum or have a family to sponsor them. The pastor, his wife, his congregation did what was right. They didn't allow the fact that the Mexican government wasn't going to help them financially. They didn't allow the fact that their church building was small and humble to stop them. They didn't allow the racist attitudes of others outside the church to stop them either. Over time, they received many donations from my last church where I pastored and from many churches around the country as well. Eight years later, they're still providing physical and spiritual support to these desperate people. Well, the mission team of our church here has helped them twice now with financial support. And then also through our hygiene kit collections that our church put together a few weeks back, we also were able to send those to other shelters along the border through the United Methodist Appeal. Friends, we can't allow antiquated traditions or inhumane laws to prevent us from doing the right thing. Jesus didn't. Neither did Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The key, friends, is to do what we feel called to do because we stand on the authority that God gives to us, which is based on love for God and neighbor. I want to end with a quote by biblical scholar, again, Elizabeth Johnson, when she says this, from the beginning, Jesus' ministry shatters boundaries. He eats with the unclean, heals on the Sabbath, touches lepers, and even claims divine authority to forgive sins. God's invasion of this world in Jesus is registered by those who hold, are, is resisted by those who hold power, those whose lives are dedicated to keeping boundaries intact. Yet for the leper who is cleansed, for the paralytic who healed, for the sinner who is forgiven, and welcome to the table, God's invasion in Jesus is welcomed as a mission of liberation, healing, and life. Friends, I invite us and encourage us to unite our effort with God's mission to bring liberation, healing, and life to others. Amen. <laughs>